This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. So we're gonna, we're gonna, I know everybody wants me to talk about the convention, and, and the truth is, there's a lot of reaction, and, and, and the truth is, it's, it's, the truth is there shouldn't be so much reaction because I really didn't say, I only spoke for 35 minutes, and I wish I could have given more advice and spoken about some of the things I'm gonna speak about tonight. And, and there's, there's no blame that what I was trying, what I was saying is it's on our watch. At the end of the day, it's on your watch. It happened on your watch. You gotta make sure that you, that it doesn't happen on your watch. And there's a lot of different pieces. It's not just teaching and it's not just a home and it's the kids and it's the situation and it's the way, the way the world is. is, is, is there's a lot of pieces. There's a hundred different pieces. And the mice if we really had the time and we really cared enough, I think that we could get all our people who teach together. And do this crazy huge, do it in Yankee Stadium, the same way you did the Shemashas, and have people speak, and have teachers speak on their feelings, and have kids speak, and we really spent like a year of communicating, right? I think that, that we could, you know, turn things around. I spoke about not giving marks and, and, and tests, and a lot of people are like, that would never work. Um, I think you should give marks and tests in English, so they should hate it. Um, and, but in, but in Hebrew, you shouldn't give marks and tests, and I was just, I said at the, at the convention, I think it was one of the funniest lines I said, I wasn't really that funny, um, was that if you want your kids to stop watching movies, <laughs> test them on it, right? So imagine at the end of a movie, not that I would know, of course, but that I heard that people go to movies, they once told me, that at the end of the movie, they have credits. Like a thousand credits, right? The writer, the cameraman number one, cameraman number two, cameraman number four, stage director, studio director, costumes, right? So there's like a thousand. So imagine if a person, the only way you're going to let them watch a movie is that they have to memorize every single name, and if they're not allowed to get one wrong, you won't let them watch another movie. You think you're going to watch movies? They're going to say, I can't memorize all that stuff. It's much too. No, if you want to watch a movie, you have to stay up till six o'clock in the morning and memorize all the credits. Of course, you're not going to, you're not going to do it. Well, guess what? That's what's happening. Our kids are up till very, very late at night. And I'm not against education. I think we have, in the whole world, we probably have the people that care the most, for sure. But we, we, we definitely have to change something. We're, we're too much like the secular world. And, and um, the, the, I'm studying right now. I heard there are schools in America that don't have tests. So I would like to go. Um, I have my girls look into it today. I want to go see these schools and how they're running and how it works. And... And yeah, I believe very, very much that you could teach kids without tests and that I'm a Rebbe for a very long time and I can tell you that I do not need to give tests in my class to know who's listening, who's learning, and how much they know. Just very simple. You ask a guy, said the Gemara, right? You ask a kid a question, he doesn't know it. So you know he doesn't know it. You don't have, and if you're, and if you're a great teacher, you can make it very interesting. Yes, it's very hard to make things interesting. And you have to prepare and you have to work and you have to have an imagination. And when you're learning Elohim and it's talking about Finding purple wool, kids are sitting there and saying, where am I going to find purple wool? And when it says, if you find strings of fish, the kid's like, the last time you walked down Avenue J, and in the street was a string of fish, right? So they get a little bit turned off. They really do. They get turned off because the Gemara is so foreign to them. Purple wool, strings of fish, right? But if you tell them a story and you say, well, they go, we can learn from this Gemara that something has a sim and something doesn't have a sim in a public place. And we went to Madison Green Garden, and we went to a Nick game, and you put your hand under your chair, and there was a wad of money, and it could have been from the game before. We well, went to the circus, forget about a Nick game, for Pesach, and the circus had two shows. It had a matinee, a 12 o'clock show, and it had a 4 o'clock show. And you came to the 4 o'clock show, and you sat in your seat, and underneath your seat was a wad of money. 
And it's like, well, I didn't put it there, so really, maybe we could find out who bought that chip, that seat, and, and do I have to return it? And all of a sudden, the kids are like, yeah, what do you have to do, Rebbe? And if you, if you give a kid a dollar, see, the Rebbe gives a kid a dollar to get a soda, and he puts a dollar in the machine, and two sodas come out. So who gets the second soda? So the kid says, well, I get the second soda because you gave me a dollar for one soda. I'm delivering what you asked me to deliver. You gave me a dollar for a soda. Extra soda is mine. The rabbi says, one second, without my dollar to get my soda, the other soda wouldn't have come down. So it's my soda. Right? But the Gemara says it has to do with mazel. So the kid says, no, my mazle. It's my mazel that the soda came down. Now, every kid in my class is screaming and yelling. Oh, it's not yours, Rebbe. It's mine. And all of a sudden, it's something. It became alive. The Torah, not a subject. So you have to take the Torah and make it alive. Yes, it's hard work to do that. Right? But if you have a class like that, and if you make your class the Besden, and they're doing the judgment, and, and, you, and, you, and, and you make it exciting, then, then the kids, they don't need tests to make it exciting. They really, really don't. Because a lot of other things in their life that they don't get tested on, they're very excited about. So yes, English classes, you don't have a choice. But Hebrew, but, but Judaic studies and learning Torah, we don't have to follow the guy, whatever it is. I, I didn't say any huge chidushim. I don't know why everyone's going crazy about that speech, besides I was yelling at the top of my lungs. Um, I will read you, I'll read you from here. You, you think I may? Here. Rabbi Yitzhak Zilberstein, right? He's accepted, of course, in the whole world. He's Rav Yashif's son-in-law. He's Rav Chaim's brother-in-law. Right? Okay. So, I was thinking, maybe I shouldn't have said something. You know how you are when you speak and you get reactions. And maybe I should have said something. And and I wasn't blaming anyone. They put up the, I blamed the rabbis. I didn't blame the rabbis. If you listen carefully to the speech, I said, on our watch. That includes every guy in this room. And Rabbi Wallstein and everybody else. Our, our generation. Not their generation. Our generation. We all have to make sure that our kids don't end up in a bad place. So, just very interesting. He writes in this week's parsha. Let's see if we can find it. He writes some unbelievable stories. That's that's for sure. Um, this is exactly what I, I, mean, I know. I say exactly what he said. I think it's actually the first thing he says in Parshas Yeshev. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, I'm not going to be able to find it because I didn't mark it. But he says that you... Hold it, hold it, hold it. Okay, I don't know exactly where he said it, but he does... Let me see what he says here. Oh, listen to this. By he, Yosef, it's called Goose Flesh. If anyone wants to look it up, um, it's on page 4. 72. It's mamish, exactly what I said. Everybody went crazy. It's right here in the little Shabbat. It says exactly the same words. It says the following. Yosef was a handsome, he was a handsome form and a handsome appearance. The situation of Klai Yisrael today. Imagine if he was getting up and he was speaking. What he wrote. The situation of the children of Israel today is not a simple one. Worst of all, the compassion, exactly what I was talking about, that ought to be aroused in each and every heart does not yet appear the way it should be. Hello? So, Ray Wallstein is actually copying what 
he says in the Lema Shabbat. And he says, very interesting, he says that Rechesko Levenstein, the Mashkir Chapanovich, used to always talk about a Rashi where it says, Vayichad Yisrael. Now, according to the measure, that means his, his flesh, Yisrael's flesh became prickly. He got goosebumps. So why did it become goosebumps? Because he heard about Yitzhak Mitzrayim, and he heard about Mitzrayim, and since he came from Mitzrayim, Yisrael came from Mitzrayim, he was one of the advisors of Paro, so it bothered him every what? And we know that if a person's a convert, even if a descendant of one who converted, up to ten generations, you're not allowed to talk about um, where he comes from. Because it's gonna, his flesh is going to become prickly because of the friends that are lost. This is what Rav said. So he said, surely a Jew who hears about his brother's misfortune that some kids off the derech, somebody's not having children, somebody's sick, right? So surely if a Jew hears about another Jew, surely his, his, uh, his skin should get prickly. He says, true gedele Yisrael are deeply pained over the sorrows of the people and suffer along with the misfortunes the trouble of so many families. But he says very nice that this is very, very fascinating. He says a sefer called Pritar on the Shulchan Aruch, Rav Chaim ben Atar, right, says that in the laws of Shechita, when you, when you, a shaykhet who shechs an animal, so you, you check the chalaf, the knife, with your nail. You run your nail along the top of the knife, and if you find, if you feel a little nick, then you can't use the knife, you have to sharpen it. That's how you check it. But what they used to do is not only do the, do the nail, they used to do the skin. Okay, that's pretty scary, to feel it with the skin. Without cutting, your, of course, your finger, right? So, today we don't do that. We don't do it with the skin. Why not? He says, because it would, your skin would not feel the sharpness of the blade properly. Why? He says, because unlike the Moram, the people who came before us, their skin was very white and, and soft and alive. And today we have much thicker skin. So we wouldn't feel it that way. So you have to do... Wasn't it like in those days they would cut off the, like, the bottom of their feet to run faster? I remember reading... <laughs> I have no idea. I heard something in the... I'll tell definitely couldn't because it would be a mum. No, I'm saying, so, no, I'm saying the... There was, no, Bakakhba's army cut off their fingers. Right. Huh? And then they, they cut off their little finger and they weren't allowed to, they weren't allowed to like wince. But they stopped that. They, they, the the Chacham said, what are you doing? You're making, uh, you're making Balmumim of everybody. So they stopped doing that. Anyway, so he said, because they were very pure, so their skin was very, very soft, so they could feel that. He says, but today, since the Besamidish is destroyed... And we are going through so much suffering. So he says that when you suffer, so your, your emotional get your emotional skin has to get thicker, right? So also your your um, physical skin got thicker. So he says. So what do you want from the? You know. So today he, he was trying to explain that we don't really feel we're not as sensitive to the to the you know people's feelings. We know the famous story of Chavetz Chaim, the boy was Mechal Shabbos, and he was crying. Chavetz Chaim, the tear fell on his hand. And he was never Mechal Shabbos again after that. You know, they were more, they were more sensitive. I'm not saying they're not sensitive today, but they were more sensitive. So this is what he says. He's saying, he's opening up, and he's saying that the children of today, right, the problem is the compassion that ought to be aroused in each and every heart does not yet appear the way it should. That's all I said. That's all I said. Okay. Anyway, just very, before we get to the, the other part, listen to this story. It's amazing. 
so he so he's also talking about you know I spoke about parents and you have to the whole thing with Yitzchak and the, and the Chidah and you have to tell your kid I love you and you have to you have to um, call him Bini right and if you say if you say that before you talk to the kid you can't get angry like my son Chaim once I say my son so in my head it triggers my son I can't scream at him the way like Chaim what are you doing but my son Chaim doesn't come out that way same thing with your wife you know my wife Esti Esti my wife has to, so I'm saying the word my wife gets in the way because in my head it triggers, she's my wife, so calm down. My son, calm down. My father. Right? If a Chastram kid was yelling at his father and he's screaming, you know, uh, whatever his father's name, Chayim, he could yell at him. If he says, Tati, you know, Tati, it's a, it's, it changes because you're saying my father automatically. I can't yell at you the same way if I just use your name. So it's a, it's a, it definitely works. There's no question that it works. And that was the only piece I had, I was able to, to, um, stick in there. So he also talks about this response very much about, um, about children. He says the following. This is unbelievable. So he says, what did Yosef see? What stopped him? We're going to get into that whole message tonight. But what stopped Yosef? He was mamish ready to do the Avera. And he saw Dikuno Shalavu, right? What does Dikuno Shalavu mean? Like a ghost came up to the window, right? He saw the form of his father. What does that mean? So I heard, I heard an unbelievable shot last week. Unbelievable shot. Which ties into my book, my second book that I mentioned I hope to write. Which is my book of DNA, right? That there's such a thing called spiritual DNA. And every, everybody has spiritual DNA. So, what does it mean to Kuno Shalaviv? So, the Kuno Shalaviv means he saw his form, he saw his father's face. That I have the same DNA as my father. So this is what Yosef said. Yosef said, if I do the sin with Potiphar's wife, right, I could deal with that. He had all kinds of excuses. She wasn't married. The star said that they're going to have a child. He had all kinds of excuses. But he said, so what is the world going to say? If that kid was able to do adultery, to do this sin, must be his father did it too. So Yosef saw the kunel shalavim. He saw the DNA of his father and he said, how can I do that to my father? If I'm going to do this Avera, then the world's going to say, where did he get the DNA to do this Avera? Where did it come from? Must be that his father also has this DNA. Must be there's something wrong here. So when he saw the Kuno Shalaviv, he said, if it just affected me, I would deal with it. But if it's going to affect my father. People are going to walk around and say, something's wrong with Yaakov. Yaakov must have done something. There's no way that his son could do this if he was perfect. Even though they may be wrong about that, but Lamaisa, he was so scared that that would happen that he was, he wasn't willing to do that. But anyway, getting back, getting back to this. So, he says a story here. He says the following. He says, um, and this is a true story. He says the principle, well, this is what he says. So it's just part of what I said. He said at the moment of his greatest spiritual crisis, Yosef saw his father's image. All parents know that their children's future will in large measure be determined by their images and their behaviors. The more they try to serve as personal examples, the more scrupulous they will be in observing even the minor mitzvahs. When a ch- what a child sees in the four walls of his home will never leave him, either for good or for bad. Parents then bear a huge responsibility to serve as positive role models for a life based on adherence to mitzvahs. Anyway, so he says the following story. He says, the principal of a girls' school in Bnei Brak, his name was Rav Yosef Avraham Wolf. And he told a story that took place during the lifetime of the author of a sefer called Nachal Eshkol. He said, in those days, the Christian missionaries who do everything in their power to trap more and more innocent Jews, um, 
So when a Jewish child was captured by the priest, the entire town was in an uproar. So they got the, they got this the the Christians got this kid and they brought him to their monastery. And in the city where the Nachal Eshko lived, the son of one of the most important families of the Jewish community was spirited away into the monastery. Despite the parents' frantic outcry and a and a, and the whole city going crazy, the Christians continued to hold the child. The unfortunate parents, along with the entire community, took the Christians to court. Word came back from the monasteries that the Jews' claim was a lie. The boy, they said, had not been snatched at all. He was always a Catholic. So they went to court and said he was Jewish. And the, and the, and the church went to court and said, no, he's not Jewish, he's a Catholic. So they could not get this kid out. Several years passed and the child sank deeper and deeper into the life of his new home. The people of the monastery pampered, indulged him, gave him large sums of money. It would never occur to him to leave them and go back to Yiddishkeit. All this time, the boy's parents never stopped going to court. Finally, there was a new judge, and they were able to persuade him to reopen the case. After hearing the claims of both sides, he said, I hear your argument, but how do I know the, the Christians are saying he's Christian, the Jews are saying he's Jew, he's a Jew? Um, he said, therefore, I am prepared to give you a one-time chance to prove that you're right, he said to the Jews. I will demand that the monastery allows you to see the child for five minutes. If, in that time, you succeed in removing the child with his consent, I will take that as a proof that the boy is yours. If, however, if he does not go willingly, the child remains in the church forever. The parents left the courthouse encouraged, at least they're going to get five minutes, but they had no idea what to do. So they came to the Goyen, the author of the Nachal Eshkol, and they asked him what they should do. And he said... I'll go with you. I'll meet your son, and I'll go with you for those five minutes. So they go, and the Nachal Eshko, the, he, he puts on a kittle, like on Yom Kippur, and he puts on a white yarmulke, and he realizes he has five minutes. And if this kid doesn't go willingly, we lose him. The scene was heartrending. On one side sat the parents and the Rav, and on the other side the boy. The mother father looked at the Rav, but he didn't say a word. He just began to hum a melody of Kol Nidre, which is sung in every shul on Yom Kippur night. The boy sat and listened and listened. A salty tear glistened in the corner of his eye. The Nachal Eshko continued from start to finish. He said the whole Kol Nidre, and it took him three minutes. There were only two minutes left. And he turned to the boy and he said, do you want to come with us and earn both this world and the next, or do you choose to stay here in the church? And the parent's heart froze. Suddenly, as though waking from a dream, the boy shot out of his chair. He fell into his parent's arm and said, Take me out of here. I don't want to stay here another minute. Take me to shul. Take me to the shul where I heard that song. The story was told by Rabbi Wolf, who used it to drive home a powerful lesson. The obligation of parents and teachers to implant an enthusiasm for Kedusha, mitzvahs, and all the things in Jewish kids' hearts. The child whose eyes and ears have witnessed his parents' love for the mitzvahs will find the images accompany him forever afterward into a ripe old age. So we see from here exactly what I said, and that is that you, as parents, we have to set an example, and as parents, the littlest, smallest thing, Shabbos, has to be a Shabbos play with Shabbos candy, and, and it has to be exciting, because in my, in my high school, so... 
when, when, the, when I first opened my high school, so the girls were in Shabbos. They're not Shemesh Shabbos. And, and I, I, I wanted to connect them to Shabbos, but I tried to give them speeches about Shabbos, and they were like, they weren't interested. So I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't figure out how to connect these kids to Shabbos. These kids who went through a very hard time, they were angry at Judaism, angry at Shabbos, they were angry at everything. So I came up with a master plan. Every Shabbos, every Friday, I would go to the flower store, and I would buy every single girl in the school a rose, two dozen roses. I've been doing this, Hashem, Hashem, I shouldn't miss, I haven't missed five, you know, two dozen, it's 24 roses. Each rose gets wrapped in a, its own cellophane, so each girl gets a rose. And every single Friday, I bring them, every girl a rose for Shabbos, it's already now six years. And I have girls who have graduated, have told me, that Wallstein, you know what I miss the most? That rose for Shabbos. And sometimes I give them two, and I'm like, if you give it to your mother, you get two. Now the last year, the new group of girls said, we like the rose, but we love chilling. So pomegranate gives me a whole thing of chilling. Girls, girls, girls. I put that chilling down at 10.30. It is gone within four minutes with kishka on top. And now they decided, besides the chilling and the kugel and the kishka, they want overnight kugel. Okay? So, so you're laughing. What are we giving girls at 10.30, right? And the answer is, connection to Shabbos and through the flowers and through the eating and, 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 and they'll never forget that and you'll say give them a speech learn a little you know give them a story no that rose shows up every single Friday every Friday that rose shows up and every Friday it's a different color red and white and yellow and, and, and red and white and every single Shabbos and the little things the little things are the things that we remember not the big things, the little things. And, and that's what you have to make. You know, now, now they have, I'm not trying to advertise for them, but Oh Nuts, right? Started about, started with this in Beratius. They started these new little pekalach that have different things in the parasha and they give a candy according to that. So like, by, uh, by, by, when he sold them the beans, the, the lentil soup, so they had red hots. I'm serious. There's like five different things. And then when he went to sleep, they rock, my kids and my, my grandchildren never saw it. They had rock candy because he slept on the rock. So they had rock candy. So every, every Friday. So I buy it. I have, can I know our grandchildren? And every single Friday, I buy them these Peckalach. It's $3.95 or $3.45. I have, can I know our 10 grandchildren? It's 35 bucks. And I go to the house and they're like, say to you, you know, what's, what's, what's the partial questions on there today? It has to be beautiful. It has to be nice. It, 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 it that, yeah, it's, 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 it's not like in our days. It's because the other side, I, the iPhone and all the other stuff with all the games that you're playing all day and everything's jumping on that cave and jumping on that. This one jumps on that. That one, that. And all these graphics that they have, right? So the kids' eyes are like bugging out, right? So you, so, so you got, you got to give them something on our side, on the Torah side. You have to give them something, something exciting. So over here, you see this story, right? A little teeny thing over here, right? Cold Nibia, that's all the kids remember. I mean, you know the story with Shema. But I'll tell you a story that I heard. Uh, many years ago which is an amazing story I think it may have been the guy that it happened to I don't know who told me or his friend someone told me this years ago it's a very random story so there's this guy who went to Neve in Eretz Yisrael and he didn't go to class he didn't go to share he was just vegetating just hanging out chilling maybe it wasn't Neve I don't know which school but wherever he was he was, he was vegetating and his Rebbe was pushing him and pushing him come to one class Come to one class. You're in there ready. You're here three, four months. Come to one class. Finally, he made him so much sugar. He walked, he, okay, I'm coming to one class, but don't bother me after that, Rebbe. Okay? What were they learning? Eli Metzius. Bob Metzius. So he comes to class. It's a true story. He comes to class. And what are the Rebbe learning? 
that if something has a simon, right, it has a, it's, it's a little different, it has a sign on it, so you have to go, the Shalash Vigalim, the Shavuos and Sukkot and Pesach, and you have to go in Eretz Yisrael, there was a place, whoever lost something went there, whoever found something went there, so they all met, and a guy would get up and say, I found something, uh, whatever it is, and if the person could describe it and give us simon, it had my name, uh, instead of having four wheels, it's supposed to have four wheels, there's one broken, something different about it, right? Then he would be able to keep it. So this kid's sitting there listening, he's like, Rebbe, come on, you think I find something, I'm giving it back. I'm not giving it back, right? And he was making fun of the whole thing, and he says, Rebbe, anyone who finds something, they don't give it back. If it's worth anything, they keep it. Come on, this is a different generation than in the times of the, of the Gemara. That's why I didn't want to come to class. The whole thing's stupid and a waste of time. Rebbe says, really? You really don't think they give it back? Come. I'm going to take you to a shul in Yerushalayim, right? They wouldn't tell stone. I'm going to take you to a shul in Yerushalayim. I'll show you what they do. So I, took, I think he took, they took him to Zichar Moshe, one of the Shtiblach, and when they walked in, you have all these little, like in Shema Shabbos, and all these, all these little papers, found, found, call, found, right, right. There was a, a, a paper in Landau's this week, found huge amount of money. I was like, did I lose a huge amount of money? <laughs> <laughs> right? So, 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 no, and not the person who lost its writing, the person who found its writing it. So he shows this kid all these little tzetlach, you know, found Gartel, found uh, this, found the plastic, found Spillin, found it. He says, what are you talking about? Look, we've got a whole big board here of, 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 of what's the family. We still do this. We still do this. If we find something that belongs to a Jew and it has a simon, we give it back. And the kid was like, wow, cool. Okay. He doesn't do well in yeshiva. He meets a bunch of guys. They're going to India. You know, some spirituality. So he's getting some pot and some other stuff. And they go to India. They're going to get high. They're going to go to the guru. And they start going to this guru, whatever it is, and, and he becomes, he's very smart, I mean, he's got a, Jew, a Jewish head, and he becomes close to this guru, and they become very, very, very close, and and he's becoming like the Gabbai, you know? Like, you want to get to the guru, you got to go to him. Hey, you know, we're Jewish, right? So, and, and he's, like, he's like number two. This is a true story. He's there for like four or five years, his parents gave up on him. They write Kriya. They sat Shiva. He's a, he's, a, he's a practicing Hindu, whatever he is over there. He's finished. He's gone. He's lost. Have a good day. His friends went back. They left him there. He's doing all the stuff that they, that they, that they do in India. One day, right? Maybe his parents said this story. I don't remember where I heard it. But what? what huh? It's on Asia's website? Well, it's not. This is 10 years ago. I know the story. From. Okay, maybe it comes around. Anyway, he's walking with him. He's walking with him in the marketplace in, in, in India, and they come across this, like, wallet, tied, right? And it's full of Indian money. And the guru picks it up. And the kid says to him, well, why don't we open it up and look, see if we can find the name, because he figures this guy's very spiritual, right? Let's find the name who we should return it to. It's a lot of money, and the people in India are very poor. So somebody lost a lot of money. So the guru says to him, what are you talking about? This is meant to be for me. This is this is the way it works in this world. Men lose, men gain. This is for me. This is not for anyone else. I'm not giving this back to anyone else. He's like, but it could be a poor man. This could be all his money. It could be he needs it for medicine. Shouldn't we find out who it is? He says, no. It's meant to be. The energies in the world brought this to me. Right? And the kid looks at him and says, you 
you're you're false. You're not real. You're not holy. You're 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 a thief. And he walks away from him, gets on a plane, goes back to Eretz Yisrael, and becomes crazy from. Why am I telling you this story? One class in Gemara. That's all he went to. One class in Gemara. The Rebbe, Rebbe saved his life. The Rebbe probably thought, you know, he didn't do anything. The guy went to India and he lost him. He taught him one little piece of Gemara, took the time to go to Yushalayim to show him on the walls that it's real. So when this guru said, it's meant to be for me, He's, he's looking at Zichramal, the walls in his head, and saying, what do you mean? We, we, we Jews, we have hundreds of little signs that we found something. You're, you're false. You're not real. So, so we, sometimes it's the, sometimes it's the little things, not the big, deep, deep things. It's the little things, the, the little extra love, the little extra compassion, the little, the, the rose for Shabbos, right? The little things that can change a person's whole life. Okay, now, let's go to Pasha's Yeshev. So there's really two subjects. I'm not going to have time for both. Um, what? I didn't say the Rufuas, I'm sorry. Yitzchak ben Zina Zilpa, Lili Nishmas, and Yechiel Yisrael Michal ben Paul Harari. Yeah, what? Another paper? Where? Oh, I'm looking at myself on this paper. Rufuas Lever, Rachel Chaya Bas Rivka. Okay, so there's two things I want to talk about, and I'm, I'm going to run through the first one. It, you have to manage to go through every plastic, but it's a lesson you should never forget. This is like an unbelievable lesson. So, so Yaakov, it says, Yisrael loved Yosef from all his children. We're going to learn the Chidah later that Yosef was a Gilgal of Adam, and Yaakov was a Gilgal of Adam. They were both working on fixing the Avera that Adam did of Gilead Arroyos when he was 130 years separated from his wife. He was over the Avera that Potiphar's wife tried to get Yosef to do. As we will see in the Chidah, Potiphar's wife was the Nachash and Yosef was Adam and it was back to the war of the beginning of the world of the Nachash and Adam and the Avera that Adam did only Yosef and Yaakov were able to fix. We know that Yaakov never became Tamei his whole life. Alright? He was pure his whole life. Yosef almost became impure. And that was the war, that war that happened. So the, 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 the Chidot says the reason that Yaakov loved Yosef, Mikol Banav ki ben zikunim hulo. He was a ben zikunim. He was a, be, a, a son from the old ages. Okay. We're going to go to the Chidot soon, but that's not the point that I want to make. So now, so Yaakov knows that Yaakov knows that the brothers, the Pesach says, that the brothers do not like Yosef and they are not accepting him as one of the brothers. And he knew that. So how would you fix that? Simple. Very simple to fix that. And I, w- I wanted to talk about this actually at, at the uh, at Gota Convention. How do you fix that? If I know the rest of my kids don't get along with my kid. So I send my kid to the rest of the brothers to do what? To find out how they're doing. To show that I care about them. So it's the perfect plan. I'm going to send my son to the other... Yaakov is going to send his son. He's going to come to them. They're going to say, Yosef, what are you doing here? And he's going to say, I just came to see how you guys are doing. Oh, 
Nice. Come hang out with us. Right? That's what would have happened if they would have given him a chance to say why he came. But they didn't give him that chance. But we'll get to that. Now, so this is the perfect plan. Yosef's going to go and tell them, I'm only here. I don't want nothing. I'm only here to come to see how you guys are doing. But what happens? On his way, on his way, I'm if I would have had more time, I would have said this. But you say, ish, and a man found him. He was lost in the field. The public should have said it the other way around. You don't find something, right? You first lose something, then you find it. So it should say, He was lost in the field. And a man found him. Not a man found him, and he was lost. You can't find him until he's lost. So he was lost, and he found him. Pusik is saying it wrong. Supposedly, it's not. Now, Rashi says, who was he? Who was this Malach? Gabriel. Where else does it say Ish and it's a Malach? When Yaakov fought with the Malach. There it says, who's the Malach? The Satan. How does Rashi know that that Malach was a Satan? And this Malach was Gabriel. Maybe this Malach was a Satan. And that Malach was Gabriel. The answer is, if somebody's fighting with you, it's the Satan. If someone's helping you, it's Gabriel. So what's going on over here? And this I really wanted to say Sunday. And the answer is as follows. What are we learning here? Something very deep. You can't wait till someone's lost to find them. Because by the time, this would have been beautiful because it's so important. By the time a kid's smoking on Shabbos, it's too late. It's too late. That means that he went through, I'm not happy, I'm depressed, oh, Shabbos is not for me, but maybe yes. It took a while, then he took his first cigarette. Oh my God, I didn't die right away. Right? It was a whole process to that point. By the time you see, by the time the disease breaks out, well, why, do, why do women do screening? Right? Because they're looking for the disease before, it, before it's visible. Before it becomes Hashem a lump. Right? They're looking to see, to find a way before that. Because if you can find a way before then, then you can eradicate it. But by the time it becomes a lump, then it's already Hashem did it, did it spread? So the objective is to find the disease before the disease happens. So the Torah is telling us over here that a man met Yosef and he started to talk to him. After he met Yosef and he started to talk to him, then he realized he was lost. You can't wait till the guy's lost to find him. You gotta find him before he's lost. You need to talk to your kids. A Rebbe needs to talk to his students. And see what's going on, because by the time you find out that they're off the derech, it's too late. He already broke so many lines and so many fences, it's going to be so hard to bring him back. So the Pasuk says, like it's A-U ish. he found him, he talked to him, and then he found out, then he found out, oh, you're lost. But if, he, if he's going to wait that he's lost, and then he's going to find him, he's going to be 600 miles away. You gotta know that before. So a, ch- a parent, and I say this all the time, a parent needs to talk to your kids. Not at 16, 17 when they're off the derrick and all of a sudden you take them out for pizza. They know you're only doing it because you love Judaism more than them. Cause where was this pizza when I, when I, when you weren't scared that I was gonna be Bachal Shabbos? So, so it doesn't seem to be that you love me. All of a sudden you're loving me now when, when I'm Bachal Shabbos means cause you want to bring me back. But how come you didn't love me like this when I was 14 learning in Yeshiva when I was purple? Oh, so it's just about Yiddishkeit? I'm not interested. I'm not interested. So we need to talk to our kids when they're three, four years old. Do you like learning? How is it? 
Dvar Torah, a prize, a play, when they're, fifth, when, they're, when they're 11 years old and they're not doing well on tests, how do you feel about it? Don't worry, Tati, you know, somebody wrote a, a thing that, that his kid got a 30, a 40, and a 30. And the kid was like broke. He came over three tests. He said, what are you broken for? You got a 100. <laughs> I'm serious. I got, the kid looks at his father and says, what are you talking about, Tati? He goes, you got a 30 and a 40 and a 30. You came home with a 100. The father said, you came I wish I would have had a father like that, but whatever, right? You came home with a 100. What? And it's just a guy should have. And the father didn't have a heart attack. <laughs> right? So so yeah, that's one of the main one of the main things. It also has to do with it also has to do with marriage. Don't wait till your wife says I'm out of here. Uh, this marriage is over. We need we need a therapist, Don't wait for that. If you see that she's that there's something a little bit wrong, you need to ask, are you happy with what should I change something? Should I do something? Are you are you happy? Um, do you want more time? We, we got to talk to them before the whole marriage fell apart. Right now, you got to go to you got to go, and we got to try to put you together. And we got to send you on a honeymoon. And it's like, oh, on a honeymoon, all of a sudden, because the therapist said it. I asked you for ten years to go on a honeymoon. You said no. Now the therapist, because you think I'm going to leave, and you have twelve kids, and you can't bring them up by yourself because you don't know how to cook. Oh, now you're going to take me on. Now you want to take me on, on a honeymoon? So yeah, if you would have started talking to her and started and understanding what she needs in both ways, they would have started talking for when they were married and they were always talking and they made up time to talk and they made up time for each other, then you don't have to wait till the person's lost to find them because sometimes when the person's lost, you find them, they're already so broken, you know, you can't put them back together. I have this new story with Humpty Dumpty. So Humpty Dumpty, you know, everyone knows that song, we learned that when we grow up. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Where's Rebbe going, right? You're trying to figure this out. Listen to this. So I have this song, all the kids sing it. When we were little kids, Humpty, now they sing other things, but Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall, Humpty Dumpty had a great fall, all the king's horses, all the king's men couldn't put Humpty Dumpty back together again. Why not? Why couldn't they put him back together again? And the answer is, because the only way to put back together someone who fell, he has to put himself back together again. So Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall and he had a great fall, Humpty Dumpty could put himself back together again. But all the king's horses, all the king's men, if you're going to wait for other people to put you back together again, it's not going to happen. You thought that song was just a song, right? I have Lumbus in the song. Not a simple song, right? You have to put yourself back together again. You can't expect everybody else can coach you. You've got to get on the court. Everybody here in our generation wants the therapist to fix it. The therapist cannot fix it. You have to get on the court. You have to do the work. We can coach you, but you're going to sit on the bench. I'm not going to coach you. I'm not going to coach some guy who's sitting on the bench. I'm going to coach a guy who wants to play. So, so people they have to communicate before the, before the disease breaks skin, before it's out there. Then already it could have spread everywhere. You got to get away before then. If you can, you got to prevent it. So this is a no. You think a pasuk here? The Malach found him and talked to him. And said, oh my gosh, you're lost. I know where your brothers are. He didn't wait till Yosef was lost and then found him. He found him and he found out that Yosef was lost. That's one of the biggest problems. That we wait and we wait and we wait and there's symptoms and we're eh, eh, eh. And by the time something happens, it's crisis. I can't tell you how many times on my phone I get that phone call. I don't know what it is and what it isn't anymore. I got today at least 10 phone calls. And I'm calling you, you must call me back. It's Pekuach Nefesh. How can I not call back, right? It's crisis. We're in a crisis. You got to call me back now. Why did you wait for it to become a crisis? You think your son just ran off with a non-Jewish girl? It's something new? 
To get to go for a guy, yeshiva boy, to go so off the derech, to be with a non-Jewish girl, you think it happened, he woke up one second and from another second, it was brewing, it was cooking, he had questions, I don't know what happened to him, but it didn't happen one morning, why didn't you talk to him for the last three years, four years, five years since he's a teenager, why don't you find out what's going on in his head, by the time you find out he's doing drugs, it's too late, now he's an addict, now you gotta go to rehab, now he's gonna have relapses, if you, if you could have prevented it, if you would have like him you, you would have found him, you would have talked to him, you would have found out, he's lost. You don't know he's lost until he's off the street. He's got to find out beforehand that he's lost. Before he falls off the cliff. What a pussy. What a crazy pussy. And I wanted to say it, but I didn't have time. Imagine how viral we would have gone then. Humpty Dumpty would have been big. It's huge. It's, um, that's the that's the synopsis. Of what I just said. Okay, I thought it was more passionate than that, but okay. Pasik tesvav, pasik tesvav. Okay, now listen, 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 listen. Listen carefully. This is a huge pasik in chinuch. Okay, so he finds him, and he talks to him, and he finds out he's lost. And he says, nah, it's more than that, says the Malach. It's more than just being lost physically, not being able to find your brothers. So he says to him, What do you want? Does it say where you're going? What do you want? What do you ask what I want? What does that have to do with it? I'm lost. I'm in Bottle Park, right? And I'm looking for... 51st Street and 13th Avenue. So ask me when I'm lost, Rabbi Wallstein, where are you going? It's none of your business what I want on 51st Street and 13th Avenue. Might be pizza, might be uh, Eichler's, it might be Emporio, might be a lot of other things. Ask me the address and then tell me where to go. So why did the Malach ask him, what do you want? Says the Medrash, Rabbi. Says the Medrash, Rabbi. He was asking him, what do you want? Not where you're going. What do you want? What do you want from this trip? You're on a trip? What do you want? What do you think is going to happen with you and your brothers? What do you want? So listen to what, listen to what Yosef Atzadi answered him. He answered him, There's a These are words. I want my brothers. That's what I want. You want to know what I want? I want to belong. I want to be part of. My brothers don't like me. I'm totally alienated. You want to know what I want? Why I'm coming here? You know, I'm coming to visit my brothers, see how they're doing. I'm coming here because it's Achayim Avakesh. I want to be one of them. Okay? So, he said, okay, that's what you want. As he says, I'll tell you where they are. Okay? They're in the Sina, whatever. And they saw him. This is, by the way, what I prepared for the, for the convention. Just didn't have the time. But Yiru They saw Yosef from far. Why is the Pastor telling me? I should just say, But Yiru Oisai, Before he even got close to them, By Yisnaklu Oisai Lahamiso. They conspired to kill him. What's the Pastor saying? The Pastor saying that from far away, they made a decision. This guy. This guy told us in two dreams that we're going to bow down to him. So what could he be coming to tell us now? We don't like him. 
He's a miserable brother. He's a big shot. He thinks we're going to bow down to him. So now what could he be coming to tell us? Something nice? He probably had another dream last night. And he's going to come tell us how we're going to bow down again to him. So they looked at him from far and they said, let's kill him. If they would have let him come in and they would have said, okay, why are you here? He would have said, I came to see how you guys are doing. They would have never killed him. They would have never sold him. They never gave him the chance because they made a decision. And this is a lesson for all of us. If you look at someone from far, you're going to kill him. If your child is a kid that you look at from far, he's not close, you don't see what he's all about, you don't see what makes him tick. A Rebbe who looks at a student from far, oh, look at him, oh my gosh, by his knuckle on miso in the end, you're going to kill that kid. Give him a chance to talk. Give him a chance to, to tell you what's going on in his life. They never gave Yosef a chance. They, were, they saw him from far, they made a decision on him. What could he be coming to tell us? What is this kid going to do already? He's going to get an 80. He failed every test. What could he do already, this troublemaker? Maybe he did tshuva. Maybe he came back to school this day and he decided he's going to be the best kid in the world. Give him a chance. Talk to him from close. If you're looking at him from far, you're going to kill him. But it's not a miso. And it's very sad. The measure said they took every piece of clothing off him when they put him in the bar. Not only his sinus, not only his jacket, but his shirt and everything. They put him in there without any clothing. See how far, how far you could go because you didn't give someone a chance to talk. If he would have had a chance to say why he was coming, it wouldn't have happened. But they made a decision already. This guy? Now, how do I know that they thought he was coming with another dream? Because look what they said. They said, but he's not Hamiso. They're already prepared to kill him. And they were brothers. So each one said to his brother, Ha ha! The dreamer is coming. They gave him a name. They gave him a label. He's not Yosef Atzadik. He can't be coming to tell us something good. He's a dreamer. He only has these dreams. He's only come tell us some nasty dream that he had about us. They made a judgment call without giving the kid a chance to talk. So what happened? I sorry, Ruke Malchus. The Holocaust was brought down because of, of the selling of Yosef. All this stuff happened. If they would have just let him come close instead of judging him from afar. What a mistake. Okay? So they threw him into the bar, as you know. Fine. It goes on. And I'm going to skip the story of Potiphar's wife right now because I want to, I want to get to the point. So now... He's in Mitzrayim, Pashas Mikates. And the brothers come down to Mitzrayim. Now we know that Yosef grew a beard. Rashi says they couldn't recognize him because when he left he was 17. And he didn't have a beard. And now he has a beard. Listen to this Pasuk. Listen to this Pasuk. Okay, they come down to Mitzrayim. Is it a Mikate? It's a Mikate. Here it is, okay. They come down to Mitzrayim. Yosef is the king. My boy, Yosef, the brother of Yosef, come. They bow down to him. And Yosef sees his brothers. 
Vayakirem. And he recognizes them. He sees his brothers, and he recognizes them. Okay? And he gives him a very hard time. He acts like a stranger to them. I was a stranger to you. Now you're going to be a stranger to me. And he's very hard on them. Where are you coming from? And then the pastor repeats it. Again the Pasuk says he recognized his brothers, but they did not recognize him. What is the Pasuk saying over here? Also, on the same idea that, that, um, the same idea that they made a decision that all he is is a balachaloimais, how could they not recognize Yosef? All the Mepharshim say that Yosef looked exactly like his father. So if he was clean shaven, I wouldn't recognize him. Because his father, Yaakov, had a beard. But now in Mitzrayim, Rashi says, he had a beard. So how is it possible that a mom is looking at their father's face? He looked exactly like his father. The whole thing it says that when he looked in the, in, the, in, the, in, the, in the glass, in the window, he saw a reflection of himself and he saw his father because they looked exactly alike. So how could it be? And that's what the pirate, the Pussy saying. Why he, why he, he recognized them. It's like an, it's like a, an exclamation mark. Hey, we grew. How could they not be? How could they not recognize him? He had a beard. He looked like his father. And the answer is, when you make a decision on somebody, you just can't see that you're wrong. So even though he looked exactly like Yaakov Avinu, they were so sure. Says the Medrash, when they came down to look for Yosef in the tribe, where did they look for him? Anyone here know? In the Bay Zoynais. They went in a house of prostitution. That's where they went to look for Yosef Tzadik, because that's what they thought of him. He went to Mitzrayim. Where could he end up? He's a beautiful guy with dreams. Where's he going to end up? They're going to be selling him. So the same person that thinks a child could be so low that that's where he is, he could be looking at the biggest tzaddik in the face. It's impossible. How can I be wrong? So he can't be, he can't be Yosef, even though he looks exactly like Yaakov. It's a freak thing. So the Torah is screaming. He recognized them. How could they not recognize him? How could they not recognize him? And the answer is they were so sure about their decision that it's a Balchalaymas and it's a Beis How could he be sitting in, in, on a throne next to, next to power? It's impossible. So they could be looking at the truth. And, and so many times that we put a label on a child and no matter what they do after that, they're just stuck with that label. I can tell you I should have had her come here tonight to speak. My principal in my seminary, BCA seminary, not high school. So these are girls who came to my high school, probably 14, 16 years old on a fifth grade reading skills, whatever, coming from the street, who everybody said, have a good day. They come from Ichud, they came from here, they came from there. We have, I can bring it next week and show it to you. We have reports, educational summaries on these kids. From the Board of Education and from the schools of what their expectations for each of these children are. And on one of these girls, Board of Ed, um, evaluation, it says, we believe that she has slight down syndrome. That's what they wrote. That her IQ is so low and then we had from other Jewish organizations that do special ed, I have these reports that said, if this girl graduates high school 
and is able to write a paragraph with no spelling mistakes and no grammar mistakes, she has reached the pinnacle of her goal. One paragraph, 12th grade. That's what they expected from her. And the same girls that this was written on right now is in a college course on psychology and is scoring a 3.8 and writing six papers a week. Forget about one paragraph. We have both of them. And the difference is that Rabbi Wallstein and Hashem, my staff, we don't look merachayk. And we look very, very close. And we know if you give somebody a chance, don't put a label on them. Don't put a learning disability. Don't put a label on it. Work with them and work with them and work with them and work with them and get close and work with them by Yakiwe and recognize them. And you're going to get much more out of them than just saying, oh, you're that, nah, go there, go there, put an M, modified, you're that, you're this, you're that. I'm not telling you that there's not learning disabled kids. There are. But you can take them usually to a much higher level than, than just being yaitzah. Just like, okay, you're learning disabled. What can you do? You push them. And you know, I don't have to tell you that, that Einstein was thrown out of school. And a lot of the people that didn't make it through school, I believe, um, go Google or one of these big places. What? Bill Gates. All these guys. So you, 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 you have to look at them from close. This was board of ed. These were board of ed evaluations. The girl's going a 3.8. Okay, I, I don't know if I could get a 3.8 on these courses, right? She's pulling a 3.8. Why? Because somebody saw her from close and somebody believed in her. And once you believe in someone, which we're going to talk about in two minutes, right? Once you believe in somebody, it gives them the kayak to do, to do unbelievable. I, I'm not going to finish with this whole thing with the, with the brothers. I'm going to continue with the Shem next week because there's something else I want to get to. And, and, and we'll end with this. And I didn't get to the Chidot today. Maybe I'll do it in the girl ship tomorrow night. <laughs> Which I think, which is also very, very, very important. So if we go to, if we go to, no, you can't come to the girls' show. So if we go to the whole story with the wife of Potiphar. So let's just do a little bit chida. The chida says the following. First of all, it says we throw all this. You say, kihida Yaakov Avinu, are you Gilgal Adam Arishain? Yaakov Avinu was a gilgul of Adam Arishon. Rebola sakim ha'shachat Adam Arishon. The gilgul arayus, and Yosef atzadik was a nitzus from Adam Arishon. Okay, now that's why he loved him very much. Now he says the following: He was also born male. He was born with a bris mila. And okay, I want to jump all the way because he just needs to know that that's who he was. He was Yosef was a the Gilgal of other Mauritian. Listen to this. So it says, when the children came to, Ye- to, to Yaakov, they told him, Chayera, Chaltu, a, a, a wild animal ate him. Right? Tarav, Tarav, Yosef, Yaakov said, when he saw the, 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 the bloody Shainis Pasim. Chayera was Ashes Potifa, says the, says the, says the Chida. Who was this wild animal? Yaakov was saying that was, that, 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 that what's it called? That ate him? Was the Ashes Potifa, Shaha, Satan, Nichnas Ba, the Satan went into her. And he did with all his strength, Lahakshul Yosef, in order to make Yosef do the sin. Because this was the Tikkun of Adam Arishon. If Yosef would have sinned with Potiphar's wife, Nichrav Ha'ilam. The world would have been destroyed. If he would have done this on the world would have been destroyed. So this was not 
some little. How, how could that be if Noah promised Noah that Hashem would destroy the world? Because the be, with a model, first of all, it could be destroyed with fire. And Yosef was Yosef was Yisod, and Yisod is the foundation. In the foundation, we know if a building goes, everything goes. Okay. Anyway, so what happens? So the Asian Potiphar says here that she was so beautiful that there was no more beautiful person, no more beautiful woman in the whole world. Why? Because if the Satan becomes a person, he knows he knows exactly right. He knows exactly what to do. So he was. She was crazy, crazy beautiful, and she bothered, she bothered Yosef every single day. And we know that in the end, what happened? So he says, "By let's get to where it says it. Okay, by he Yosef, you mara. He was very beautiful, right? Yosef. She lifted her eyes to him. She said, "Lay with me." By the way, the Chidos says, and I saw it also in the Rambam on the Shulchan Aruch and on Hilchus. Um, on, on, on Ishus, that 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 even laying next to or laying, not doing any action, but laying together on the same bed with a with a woman is is a very very big avera. Because she just said to him, "I don't want to do nothing." She said, "Shichli me, just lay with me. I'm, I don't want to do anything." She was looking to trap him. We're not going to do any avera. Just just lay with me, right? By your mind, he refused. Now we all know that by your mind is a shalshelas, is a chain. Right, when he went, eh, 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 and he had to refuse, like, Mamish refused, the, the, the Malkari yells it out. And we know that a Shalshalas connects two things. So I always say, there's another Vayimoyim in the, in the Torah, right, in this week's Pasha, Vayimoyim Lisnachim, that, that, that Yaakov was not, would not take Nechama. He would not, he would not, they came to be Menachem and they all came together, and they said, okay, you lost one son, we're all, or Chaim says, right, you have so many, right? And he said, no way, I'm not, I'm not going to be comforted. So the kashi is, what do you mean? Someone comes to Menachem Avol. So Yaakov Avinu said, yeah, I accept that Hashem wants this to happen. My son, this should happen. My son should be killed. I accept it. Yaakov Avinu. Avinu said, no, I don't accept it. Get out of here. No, we, we came to Menachem Avol. I'm not going to Menachem. No, 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 no. Don't have Menachem Menachem. Get out of here. I'm not taking any Nechama. Yaakov Avinu, what are you talking about? Avol has to take Nechama. So Yaakov Avinu said, you brought me a body? There's a body here? There's a dead body? He's not dead. You brought me a jacket. You brought me a coat. I don't think he's dead. This is my son. This is my Yosef. I lived with him. I put everything in my life into him. I am, until you bring me a dead body, you brought me a coat, blood, it looks like blood. Until you bring me a dead body, he's not dead. He is not dead until you bring me a dead body. Now, when a parent, I said this yesterday to High Lifeline, to a bunch of women that are up in the mountains that have children with cancer. And I said, that when a parent, a parent has the power if a parent does not give up, right? Even if the child doesn't know that the parent didn't give up, surely the child knows, right? If the parent doesn't give up, it gives an energy to the child for them themselves not to give up. So by Yemoyin Yaakov is nachem. Yaakov said, I will not give up on my child until I see a dead body. Yosef in Mitzrayim, who was about to do a crazy Avera, which would have destroyed the world, Sees the kuno shalavid. He says, "I know my father. My father, unless he sees my body, he's not believing anybody that I'm dead. And I know he doesn't see my body because I'm here. And if my father is not willing to give up on my on me, then I am not willing to give up on me. So the vayimoyin Yosef has a shalshelis 
a chain that's connected to the Vayimoyin Yaakov, the only way that Yosef had the koyach, the strength, to be Vayimoyin, to refuse, because he knew that his father refuses. And it's no question I can tell everybody in this room that any kid that knows that there's someone out there that believes in them, and Maishi Rudish could tell you, because he, he does this with me together, any kid who the whole world gave up on, who is in a program for kids who have no brains, and the Rebbe says, I believe in you, and the child knows when you're just talking. And I believe in you, and we're going to work it, and we're going to do it. Any child in the world that knows there's someone out there that believes in them, they will refuse to give up. If you refuse to give up on your child, your child will refuse to give up. But if he sees that you give up, they give up. We always look at our parents for the bravery. If our parents panic, we panic. If my parents are crying, I'm like, oh my gosh. If he's crying, I'm done. So the koyach of Yosef to withstand this avera that would have destroyed the world was the knowledge that I have a dad that until I'm dead, he will not give up on me. And I can tell you that kids do drugs, kids go off the derech, any kind of, even in Parnassa, even in, in any, 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 anything in the world. If you know there's someone out there, of course if it's your parents, it's the strongest. But even if it's not your parents, it's a friend, it's a Rebbe, the Rebbe, or it's a friend, or just someone that believes in you, you will never give up on yourself. It's the kids that think, nobody believes in me. Those are the ones that give up. Because if no one believes in me, then why should I believe in me? If you believe in me, right, if Maishi believes in me, then I have a responsibility to his belief. How can I let him down? This guy really, everyone's, everyone, everyone else is telling me I can't do it. This guy's telling me I could do it. So even if I don't have the self-confidence to do it for myself, I'm going to do it for him. You believe in me? I, got, I can't let you down. You're the one guy that believes in me? I can't let you down. So if a parent believes in this kid, even though he's failing, everyone's telling me he's no good, he's that. My father believes in me? How can I let down the man, the one man in the world that really thinks I can do it? How can I let him down? What a, what a negative word that the two by your minds. And therefore it says, the form of his father, he knew his father. And he knew there was no dead body because he wasn't dead. He knew his father didn't give up on him. Daddy, you don't give up on me, I don't give up on me. And so many of us, we, our children don't know that. Our children don't know that we didn't give up. They think, ah, they don't, they don't believe in me either. I'm a failure. I do deal with this all the time. I'm a failure. I'm this, I'm that. Strange kids that I don't know at all come to my office, girls, for shidduchim, whatever it is, and an hour later they walk out and they're like, wow. And what did I do? All I did is I said, you can do it. I know that you, now you tell it to everybody. I'm like, no, you're different and you can do it and you're different and you can do it and I'll show you something else that you did that you thought you couldn't do so you can build off that. And, and, and they walk out, they're a new person. Because they walked in, nobody believed that I, I'm never going to get married. How many times have I heard that? They walked in, I'm never going to get married. A person who believes they're never going to get married will give up on getting married. But if there's someone out there that's, that's a shotgun and they work and they're like, so, we, so you went out with 40, 45 guys and none of it worked. The 46 is going to work. I'm telling you, you're a great girl. You're unbelievable. You know how many guys you said no to and you build her up? She, she's going to get married. But if you're going to say, forget it. You're an old wife. It's not going to happen. She'll never get married. So I wanted to say, and I'll end with this bracha, and there's a lot of stuff I didn't say tonight, but it's next week, that we need to know that no matter what we're going through, guys, there's a dukunah shal'aviv 
in our windows. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is called Avinu Malkeinu. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is called Avinu Shabashamayim. And Hashem is very clear in the Mishnah that I quoted at the Agurah Convention. Chiba Yisera. Shnodas. The Mishnah says, the Banam Atem Hashem. Hashem doesn't just say, oh, they know, they know, they know I'm their father. Hashem says, I am your father. And therefore, every single person, no matter what you're going through, you need to know that there is a being in the world called God. And He is the Dikuno Shalavit. He is our Father. And no matter how far you fall to the lowest level in the world, by Yemo'en, with Hisnachen, as long as you're alive, as long as there's a breath left in your body, God does not give up. The Mishnah Pirkei Elvis says, I wait for you to do tshuva to the last breath. God does not give up. So you always have someone who says in the Mishnah, I don't care whatever you did, however bad you are, to the last second, by your mind is nothing. As long as there's no dead body, Hashem says, I refuse to be comforted. He can still do it. And if we know that, and we feel that, then it will give us all the power to be mind to refuse Potiphar. Who is Potiphar? Who is Potiphar's wife? Zeha Satan. So when you're fighting with the Satan, the strength that's going to give you the ability to fight, I can't, come on, there's so much schmutz on television and movies, and I have internet, and it's a different generation, Rabbi, and it's, you don't understand, and there's so much stuff, and it's Ishit Potiphar, and she's gorgeous, and she's beautiful, and it's the Satan, and she, she's working on me every day, as, as it says in the passage, she came to him every single day. Says the Chidah, yeah, the Satan comes every single day. And bothers you every single day and says, Shikli Imi, just hang out with me. I'm not telling you to, to do anything. Just buy the movie. Don't watch it. You know? Just buy the whiskey and the drugs. Don't, don't take them. Just, just buy them. Shikli yeah. Imi. That's his power. Uh, we don't want to do anything wrong. And then, every day he works and he works. How am I going to do this? If I watch it, how am I going to beat him? And the answer is, look at the window. Look at the reflection. Because when you see yourself in the mirror, we are a reflection of God. We are created in the image of God. So when you see yourself, you see Him. And He's at the window and He's saying, by your mind, let's knock Him. I don't give up on you. You're still alive. I don't give up on you until you're dead. You're still alive. I don't give up on you. So if I don't give up on you, why are you giving up on you? And that's what Joseph Atzadik, when he did that, what did he do? He got up and he ran out of the room. And he left her with all his outside, all his chitzanias. He left her his beged. He left the Satan who was Potiphar's wife, he left her his beged. He said, you can have all the outside stuff, but you ain't getting me. And when she realized that, that's when she started to scream, this guy attacked me. Till then, she was very nice. And she bothered him every day. Why all of a sudden? Why don't you try again tomorrow? Okay, today you got away. Get him tomorrow. The minute he said, you know what, my good looks and everything that I was busy with, he, he took it and he gave it to her. She didn't rip it off him. She, he said, here is my fitzainius. Here is my materialism. Here is my movies and all my stuff. I don't need it anymore. So the Yitzhah was sitting there with all the chitzainius. He was sitting there with all the begotten, with everything. You're like, well, this guy I'm not getting anymore. So he started to scream, look what he did to me. And then it says, as I, I tell you every year, which is very, very sad, it says, what did she do with his clothing? Really, do we care what he did, what she did with her clothing? Did she sell it at a vintage... Uh, you know, old clothing stuff. What what you do with the clothing? It's very very sad because this is why we're we're dealing with what we're dealing. And she says, she grabbed his clothing and she said, "Shich lay with me." 
he took it off. She didn't, she didn't rip it off him. He took off his clothing, his jacket, right? His sinus, whatever it was, his jacket, and he gave it to her. When the Satan saw that he gave his chitzanius, his materialism, the cars and the movie, all the outside stuff, he said, I don't need this anymore. He said, I have nowhere to grab you. I have no, I, I can't grab you in a shami, in a shama's hot fire. The something can't grab you by the neshama. It has to be something on the neshama. Like I always say with the football, you know, the football players wear their football jerseys very tight. These big fat guys on the line, they're like, weigh 500 pounds. What are you doing? We have to see how fat you are. They wear it very tight because if they wear it loose, then you don't have to catch the football player. You catch his jersey and you can throw him down. So they don't wear anything loose. It's very tight. You want to take me down? You got to grab me by my body and throw me down. So the Yetzirah, he gets you by your movies, by your all your stuff. He can't touch your soul. Your soul is fire. He's dark. He's black. He can't touch your, your soul. For all the stuff that you do, that's your jersey. Then he grabs your jersey. Then he's got all of you because you're in the jersey. You're in the jacket. So he, Yosef Atzadik said, no more. I'm done with this. And he took it off and he, and he put it down. Oh, when she saw the other big W other, when she saw that she doesn't have anything to grab him by, but Tikkulache Beisla, she said, Oh, look what happened, look what happened. But what did she do quietly? A little pussy that sneaks in here. She took his clothing and she folded it nicely and she put it next to her. Who cares? Right? Until the master came home. And then it doesn't talk about it. Right? So what's going on over here? Why do we need to know this? So I think it's, I think it's the Chidah I saw it in. Or maybe I saw it in a different Sifrei Kabbalah. So it says the Sultan said, you got away, Yosef. You got away, 100%. I don't got you. But I'm going to take all this Kitsainias, and in 2013, we're going to have all this stuff. And what's going to be? No, you did. And I will own you all until till the master comes home, until Hashem goes home to the Beitham Bigdash, till Mashiach comes. Where is materialism and pornography and all this garbage? Who owns it? I do. So she took the clothing, the chitonius, and she said, it stays next to me till the master comes home. Till Mashiach comes, I own you. If you put on that clothing and you put on that chitonius and that materialism, I own you. Until the master comes home. Bezrat Hashem, the master should come on really fast so we can get our clothing back. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.